Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show. The talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. We can You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com, and I'm excited to welcome the program. We remember him from The Walking Dead playing the governor. He's been in many, many things. I'm excited to welcome the program. Celebrity David Morrissey of Stars, The hey. mi- Missing. How are you? How are you, David? I'm well. How are you? Fantastic, David. Premiering on February 12th. Uh, season two of The Missing, and uh, I, I, you know, when I started reading up on this, David, I said, "Man, I have five kids of my own. If I, if one of my kids ended up missing, how difficult and challenging that would be." And that's why the story, uh, the show, successful is. Every parent thinks of that time when someone's taken or someone's missing, right? And then saying, well, "How can how can we find them?" Absolutely, and I'm a father myself. I have three children. And, you know, this is one of the things that, uh, reading the show, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, any, any parent can respond to this. But, of course, what the show is about is that the, the, their daughter has been taken. But the show is really 11 years later when the girl walks back into their life. She's been missing. She's been abducted. She's had a terrible life somewhere else. But it's her return that is what throws the family into a spin and this whole investigation starts about where she's been, who she really is. The father is delighted, you know, as everybody would be, that his daughter has come back. But the wife has suspicions about the daughter, about who she is. She can't really accept her. She has more questions around it. And that acts as a as a, as a real wedge between husband and wife and, and that's that's really the, the heart of the show. And also the show is told in two time scales. It's told in 2014 when the girl comes back and present day. And we're constantly as an audience trying to catch up with the story. It's a very wonderful ride. It asks a lot of you. It's a really great thriller in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And I can, I can imagine then the process of how the father is in a happy mood but grieving. What, what happened those yeah. years when my daughter was gone? What what happened to her psyche? Yeah. How did she deal with certain things? How um, how was she abused? And then to go back and search through and find out what really happened, that keeps the audience on on, on the edge of their seat, but also uh, to see the the heartbreak of the family, right? Yeah, and also some of those questions that you want to ask, you don't really want the answers to. You know, you don't want those pictures in your head. You don't want to build it. Some people really would be in denial about that. They just want to start here and now, start afresh. And of course, you can't do that. You have to go through that therapeutic time with, with your child again. And and, uh, and from a father's point of view, the, the failure that he didn't protect his daughter is, is very is massive, but particularly for this man who's a soldier, he's been in combat, he's a very good soldier, he's a very brave soldier, he's someone who's seen terrible things happening to his colleagues and his friends, but when it's his daughter and he failed his daughter, he's full of this shame and full of this guilt, which compounds how he deals with it right here, right now, when she walks back into his life. And and that's and that's so true, David, when the person walks back into the life because then they're they're questioning, did I do something wrong? Did, how this ended up yeah. happening? Did I did I make a mistake? All that, you know, and then the, the, the compounded yeah. with what happened. Yeah. For sure. And that thing of guilt, I think guilt is a terrible uh, terrible emotional uh, thing to have. It's a real weight. And I think both the parents have a guilt around their daughter when she returns. Every day of their life while she's been away, they've wanted her to return. But when she does return, it's not as easy as they wanted it. It was so they, you know, be careful of what you wish for because actually it brings a lot of stuff with it. You know? 
Absolutely. And again, February 12th, uh, it premieres. And what should we expect, David, for the first episode? Can you kind of uh, give us a little preview. The, yeah. the first episode is a real, uh, it's an amazingly emotional ride of uh, two people having getting their daughter back and having to deal with that and the investigation. And we meet myself and Keely Hawes, who plays my wife, and also Checky Caro, who is a French actor, and he plays Julian Baptiste, who's the policeman investigating the whole case. And he's a wonderful, tenacious character. And, you know, they, they drive us through into the next seven episodes. It's an eight-episode uh, soon. And what's really cool, David, is this is having not just success on Stars but BBC as well. So... This is an international success yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been on the BBC. And people in the UK it was a, on Twitter, and it was the top ranking thing on Twitter every week. It was unbelievable. People would stop me in the streets and just have their own theories about what had happened. It was a really great, exciting ride for people. I think. And then season one was a was a different story, right, David? The the missing season one was about a, a couple whose young boy was taken. And the investigation was about where is this child? This is about what happened to the child when she comes back. So it's it's the opposite, really. It's about a, a family receiving their daughter back into their life, having been taken away. And then the investigation starts from there. Where she been? Are there more girls involved than just this girl? Oh, we believe man. there are. The French detective thinks that the, this girl has been with another fr- girl that he's been investigating. That's what brings him into the case. So it's a spider's web. And it's also that multi-character thing of this one event touches so many people in this little town. They are uh, a, an army couple, but they're living in Germany. They're not living at home. So it just affects the oh, community yeah. in such a poisonous way. I mean, we all know this family dynamic, David. You have... You have children. I have children. That it's 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 chaos at times and different things, and we we never know what can kind of put a monkey wrench into certain things. But for something that scary, I just I couldn't imagine it, yeah. and 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 that's probably why people tune in and are you know really interested in this for sure, David. Where's again the best place we can find information on you again? Uh, February twelfth, it uh, premieres on Stars. February twelfth, it's on Stars. It's on their app. It all goes out on. Uh, you can watch it in one day if you choose to, but it's on the Stars app, and it comes out on uh, February the 12th, which I think is on Sunday. All right, fantastic, David. Best place we can find info on you. Uh, follow you on Twitter and different things. Places to go for you? Yeah, I'm on Dave, Dave Morrissey 64, not David, Dave Morrissey 64, and that's me on Twitter, so you can follow me on there, and I post lots of things. I also have a radio show myself in England, and you can follow that if you want just playing a lot of tunes and a lot of music shows and I have guests on so you can I was listening to that really yeah. good yeah yeah so follow me on there that's on Boogaloo Radio and I've uh, I post all my stuff on, on Twitter I love Twitter it's a great way to interact with fans and interact with people who are seeing the shows and I'm particularly with The Missing, which is such a great thriller that is throwing questions up every week. It's great to interact with the fans. Absolutely, Dave, and success on your, uh, continued success on your radio show as well. I was seeing some of the top guests you have. People need to definitely tune in, uh, and uh, good talking to you, David. Great stuff. Thank you, Neil. All the best, my friend. Take care. See you. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor and Total Radio Net and all the exciting places. And I'm excited to welcome the program. This is a very interesting story. Someone who's a professional athlete who decided to go another route and continue his career. So I'm excited to welcome the program. Philadelphia Eagle and America's Got Talent Season 11 finalist, John Dorenboss. John, thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, my man. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be here and uh, ready to rock and roll, man. Hey, hey, that's the important thing. It's the off season, right? And at this time during the off season, you're you're taking care of a lot of different things, aren't you? It's the kind of, uh, especially once uh, everything kinds of winds down in the season, isn't isn't that isn't that true? Yeah, and and you know what, magic and football has always been a balance for me. In the off season, I've always gone around touring, and and the truth be told. Uh, I actually thought I was going to get cut every year I played. And so in the off season, I was going to go figure out what my life was going to be. And, uh, you know, 14 years went by and 
uh, you know, when I had the chance to do this show and, and the opportunity came, I was like, man, this is a, a great segue. Who knows how long I'll play it. But just from a performing standpoint, it was about the exposure. It was about the team. It was about working with the producers and, and having all their knowledge to make my act better. And in every every aspect possible, uh, it was a dream come true. I loved working with them. And, and that show made me better as a performer. And I'm, I'm forever thankful. Wow. So very, very interesting. And so when did you start being a magi- magician? When did you practice start practicing magic? Um, yeah, so uh, I was 12, 13 years old. Uh, when my uh, when my dad murdered my mother and uh, yeah my sister and I went through pretty intense therapy and in that process I saw a 16 year old magician named Michael Gross and changed my life forever and uh, got into it he bought me my first book it was JV Bubble Coin Magic and I, I learned all the moves and really for me and I didn't realize this till later in life for me it was an outlet and when I was practicing shuffling cards or just working on magic, it was really the only time where I didn't think about anything else. I didn't think about the problems we were having. I didn't think about any of that. And uh, sure enough, it was an outlet that I still have today, and it's been awesome. Well, definitely definitely awesome where you're able to go with America's Got Talent. So when you first auditioned, did you think you'd make it, first of all? And second of all, did you think you'd go all the way to the finals? You know what? It's I, I had confidence in my ability. Um and I didn't know how it was going to go. My my first goal was just to get a good reaction from the judges and then not really knowing how it would work out with training camp and football and just kind of play it by ear and see how it went. So I was happy to, to keep progressing. And I think really when I kind of figured out that my advantage wasn't going to be so much the magic, it wasn't going to be competing with the illusion guys and flying around stage, my advantage was going to be kind of the chops and the ability to communicate and interact with those judges. And when I figured that out, that's when I was like, okay, I think I have a shot here because I have a little bit different um, tactic and a little bit different style than the other magicians yeah. that I'm going to capitalize on. So how many other magicians were competing with you on the show? There's quite a few. Um, you know, Haro is a, a magician from Japan who does beautiful magic. Um, very staged, very produced. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to compete with that. Uh, mm-hmm. The clairvoyance uh, kind of have that uh, old-school... 40s European reading the minds. Okay, well, that's that's their stick, so you don't need to compete with that. Um, and then there was uh, um, uh, Blake Voigt, and um, I forgot his last name, the, the Rubik's Cube, Stephen. He's a really cool kid. So th- there was quite a few magicians. Um, and, and I said, you know what? Don't worry about what they're all doing. Just stick true to who you are and find material that compliment you. And don't get lost in trying to compete with their styles because that's when things go south. So I kind of didn't even worry about the competition and just kind of try to compete with myself. How do you define your style as a magician? Do you have a specific style that compared? You talked about all those different styles of the other competitors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, magic to me when I was a kid was cool. That's all it was. It was cool. It was fun. And so I've never tried to be the kind of the, the, the goth Jesus character, if you will, the, the supernatural character. I've never tried to do that. When I do magic, I want people to leave and be like, holy cow, that was awesome. That was fun. It is what it is. And if I can do that, um, then then that's my goal. And uh, it's kind of funny because it's, it's the goal, I think, of every performer. And I think what I was most proud of wasn't so much the tricks that we picked, but, you know, my fiance and I, we were like, dude, we got to get a standing ovation every single time. <laughs> if we don't, then that's awful, right? And that was our goal. And... You know, I remember when I got the gold buzzer, I followed Hara, and he, he's flying around stage, turned himself into a bird, and disappeared midair. I was like, what the heck just happened? That was unbelievable. Here I am standing there with a pad of paper, a pen, and a deck of cards going, and I looked at her, and I said, honey, I don't think I picked the right trick, because what just happened was ridiculous. Yeah. And she looked at me, and she said, don't worry about it, just be you, and that's your strength. Don't worry about the magic. You've never cared about the trick. The trick's always been secondary. Go be you. And I was like, babe, I love you, and uh, walked out there, and, and it all worked out, so... I just want people to have fun, and that, that's my goal. And what did you think of the judges, dealing with them on a regular basis to get all the way to the finals? Because, again, working with them in a way of uh, respecting their advice and trying some of their advice the next time you performed was uh, very helpful for you, right? Uh, so, so the which I, I like this, the interactions with the judges is only basically what you get on, on stage at that moment, and they want the judges' reactions to be authentic. They don't want them to know what to expect. So you're really working with the producers backstage. Um, and, I, and I got to meet, I, I got to work a lot with, with Meg, and she was amazing. And, uh, 
it's taking their advice. You know, these, these are people that have been filming the show for 11 years. Other magicians have been there. They know it works, what doesn't work, and they, and they understand magic and what has to happen theatrically. Um, and the judges from the reactions, I was really stoked. I mean, the, I, I don't think I can yeah. complain with the reactions I got. They really never said, try this or try that. Um, the reaction I wanted was, that was fun. And those are the ones I got, so I was, I was proud of that. So what did your teammates of the Eagles feel about you uh, competing in this and then being involved in the competition and going as far as you did? Uh, dude, they were super supportive. The entire organization was. And, uh, you know, it was really cool. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman, Coach Peterson, and, and the entire organization basically came to me and said, hey, we got to allow you to do this. You've been here a long time. You've been doing magic a long time. It's part of who you are. How can we support you? How can we make this happen? Um, and I would say, I mean, a lot of people didn't know this, and the, and the team didn't at the time, but there were weeks where I was doing five or six round trips in a wow. week. Oh and I would, right after practice and meetings, I'd get on a flight just to go to L.A. for two hours and do some B-roll and an interview, and then I'd hop a red-eye, and I'd land at 7, 7.30 in the morning, and I'd go to the 8.15 meeting. Um, and we just do whatever it took. And at the same time, you know, it was exciting for Annalise and I and uh, kind of to juggle that schedule and to make it all happen. And we, we call it champagne problems because there's times where we might be a little stressed. <laughs> and we'd look at each other and be like, really? Like, we're we're competing to make a team in the NFL, and we're competing on one of the number one shows in the history of television. Like, these are champagne problems. Let's just make it work. <laughs> and see, and, and that's true. And just make it work. And now, how does the media feel in Philadelphia? Because, again, you're one of those players that probably they want to talk to all the time. Is it all? Have you always been media-friendly, would you say, John, in your career? Uh, yeah, you know, and I have, and I, and I have maybe for different reasons than some. You know, when I was a kid, I was a huge Seattle Mariners fan, and, you know, Griffey and Jay Peter and Martinez, all these guys were super cool, and I had minimal interaction with them. So when I made the NFL, I never thought I'd make it, to tell you that. Never thought I'd play 14 years, make a couple of Pro Bowls, never in a million years. And so I've been a fan my whole career. And for me, the NFL has just been something that I view as a great story for my grandkids. And uh, I think if, if we don't become what we do, we enjoy what we do. You know, America's Got Talent. It, it, same thing. It's just a great story for me to tell my grandkids one day. Yeah, a book and to write, right, John? Just, <laughs> yeah. What's that? A book to write at the end of your career. And, and, and But uh, yeah. do you think you're going to go into showbiz after you retire from football? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I've had a lot of opportunities. And, and uh, you know, even before the show, uh, there were some shows that I kind of was in the works for and just scheduling didn't work out. But, you know, obviously... You know, for me, it was, the, you know, NBC vouches for you. NBC gives you a shot. America's Got Talent gives you a shot. They vouch right, for exactly. you. Exactly. And as soon as that happens, it's a lot easier for other people to make decisions. Power television, right? Exactly. And, and now all of a sudden to get hired for gigs and speaking gigs, well, the buyers are like, look, NBC vouch for them. We're good. You know, and it kind of covers everybody's tail. So uh, it was a win-win, man. And the last question, again, for people that want to audition, especially a couple weeks ago, there were some big auditions in this what advice would you offer them, especially when they're saying, I don't know if I have the talent and you know it's coming to this specific city. What what advice would you offer them? You know what? I, this is what I would tell them. Don't hold back. you got to bring your A game every week. So don't say, I'm going to save this for the next round. Do it. And then you better figure out how to top yourself going to the next round. And, uh, you know, right now I think there's two cities left. You know, Los Angeles is February 10th. Memphis is February 3rd. Uh, but for everybody out there, do it. It's life-changing. Uh, and, and don't think of it so much as I want to win this show. Think of it as if I'm serious about being a performer, this is going to make me better. I'm going to get advice that I might not get somewhere else. I'm going to get people telling me what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, what I need to work on. Uh, if you can't make those auditions, go to agtauditions.com. Uh, I, I believe the deadline is around March 4th. But, hey, the sooner you get it in, the better. Um, it changed my life, and uh, I'm, I'm super glad I did it. Give it your all. Be true to who you are as a performer, and you're going to rock it. And uh, best place you can find information on you. You have a Twitter, different things like that that people can check you out and follow you? Yeah. Uh, you, you can go to johndornboss.com. Uh, you can, uh, all my stuff is the same. So Instagram is at johndornboss, Facebook at johndornboss, uh, Twitter at johndornboss, uh, J-O-N-D-O-R-E-N-B-O-S, no H in John. And, uh, you know, if, if you email the website, that goes to my guy that posts it. But we try and get back to all the fan emails and requests, so we, we do the best we can. And uh, I, I appreciate everything. Well, John, thanks for taking the time. Best of luck and uh, good luck on next season and also uh, your career as a magician and an entertainer. Okay? Thanks, man. All right, take care, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you. You're, see ya. Thanks. Okay, bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and also NeilHaley.com and all those exciting places. And I'm excited to welcome the program, uh, the founder of Joy Division and from New Order, Peter Hook. Peter, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm okay, mate. Yeah, I'm uh, struggling with my jet lag here in New York, but it's not too bad. (laughs) So uh, we're today talking about your book, Substance Inside New Order. Uh, Can you tell me specifically why you wrote this book, Peter? Um, To be honest with you, I was very wary about writing this book because New Order were always considered to be quite mysterious quite enigmatic. Uh, the truth is we're, we're just another, you know, drunken bunch of um, working-class Manchester Englishmen. So I was a little bit worried about bursting the bubble, shall we say, on that. But when the band um, got back together in 2011 without me, um, a, a legal battle that I'm still fighting and was in court actually yesterday fighting, where we won in court yesterday, I was delighted. Um, the thing is, is that I do felt that, well, especially when Bernard did his book with his version of the right. truth, uh, I do felt that it needed to be told, the story of New Order. It's not a pretty story. Uh, it's quite grisly in places. It has a lot of um, intrigue and double dealing. But, you know, I suppose it's my way of showing that what's behind the scenes with a successful group. Exactly. And and when you figured out, you know, you guys were going to be successful, is that when things turned awry in certain ways? You said some of the craziness, in your opinion? No, I mean, you know, the, it was, if anything that affected our judgment, it was the normal um, excessive drugs mm-hmm. uh, and alcohol that, you know, never does anybody any good. I mean, I've never met one person yet that was easy to deal with on either drugs or alcohol. It certainly affects your perception. It stops you caring, uh, and it makes you foolish, to be honest. So the thing is, is that once we fell in that trap, um, quite rightly, everything went wrong, you know, and people's perception of how it went wrong. I suppose it's up to the fans to decide who they think is correct, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, So, Peter... When you uh, went through this, how did you, we all know, again, rock and roll, music leads, uh, groupies leads to drugs, alcohol, and it's just, it's it's a guaranteed situation. But before that point in time, were most of the band members and yourself using drugs before that? big run and stuff? No, no. I mean, I got into drugs very late, actually. I didn't start till I was 34. And then uh, Bernard, our lead singer, kept saying to me, bloody hell, it's like you've been trying to catch up ever since. You know? So, uh, but I'm a, and I, I am an addict. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I've been sober for 12 years. So, uh, you know, I've dealt with my problem. And um, I still, do, still deal with it every day. So the thing is, is that, yeah, you know, I mean, it was about getting a love for music, to be honest. Once, uh, when I began, when we had no money, you literally did it for the love of music. The high you got from playing to an audience and succeeding was wonderful. And then you sort of lost that in the middle. You know, speaking for myself, I did lose it. Uh, Now, it has been wonderful for me, actually, because I got out just in time. Uh, I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose my family. I didn't lose my job. Um, And I got my love for music back again, which was the most wonderful thing. And that fantastic high you get from performing to an appreciative audience is irreplaceable, you know, and intangible and unexplainable, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I was lucky. To, to get away with it. You are, we're definitely lucky. And would you say that the travel, Peter, has a lot to do with what happens and there's time on your hands after uh, do, doing a show, before you travel to the next town, uh, the stresses of just constantly being on the road leads to the drugs and alcohol abuse, you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a way of life. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is, you know, whilst on the surface seems golden, underneath it is difficult. Now, the thing is, is that now that I'm 60 uh, and I get a bit of downtime, I absolutely enjoy it like you wouldn't believe. You know, the thing is, when I'm at home, 
Um, I'm looking after my uh, my wife. I'm looking after my daughters, my son. I'm looking after my business, uh, looking after my dogs, for God's sake. You know, the thing is, is that there are a lot of distractions while you're at home, and it feels like very hard work, very rewarding work, but very hard work. So for me to get away and be able to sit in a hotel room and watch a zombie movie <laughs> is, is a fantastic luxury these days, I have to say. You know? And it's wonderful. I mean, to travel the world and be looked after and fated in the way that we were, you know, was was a very cosseted, very uh, strange feeling. But, you know, it does cut you off from reality. You become divorced from any kind of sense, and it can make people act very badly. You know, I thought particularly certain members of our entourage right. had lost touch with reality bloody years ago. And 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 when you think uh, so, the the older you got, the more wiser you got. The struggles you went through, substance abuse. What about your other members? Were you the worst off? Well, out I mean, of all of them, know, I can't I can't speak for them. You know, the thing is, is that this this book is my story. Right. And uh, I didn't want to complicate it by in, including. I've not got a relationship where I could include the others, actually. Anyway, but you know, this this story is about me. The three books that I've done: one about the Hacienda, our club in Manchester, which changed the world in its own way; um, the story of Joy Division, the first group, and then the story of New Order. It's my perspective. These are my feelings mm-hmm. uh, and my version of, of events, you know, and that's all that you can really do as a human being is put forward your version. You know, you'd be, it'd be ridiculous to try and analyze uh, and help or even hinder other people with your opinions. So you, it is very much my story. Right. In new, in new order, when, so you said that the drugs and alcohol came even before the big stardom where you guys were on top, did that hurt staying on top because of the abuse that you were going through, Peter? Well, no, I mean, we, as, as a group, we've always been quite addicted to just as we get to the top where you can enjoy the fruits of your labor, right. uh, the, the, the success part. We've always managed to smash it right on that end. <laughs> it's like we've become addicted to starting again. But no, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that you lose empathy and you also lose the ability to read other people's feelings and mm-hmm. you tend to ride roughshod across everything. And it makes people obnoxious. It makes them hard to deal with. So I, I wouldn't recommend it. And now in my career, if I come across anybody who looks to me as if they're on drugs, I just have them removed because, wow. you know, I wasted enough of my own time. I'm not going to have anybody else waste my time now when at 60, you don't know how much of it you've got left here. Absolutely. And your book just came out on January 31st. Uh, where's the best place we can purchase it? And we can purchase it in all finer bookstores, Amazon, all those I'm different places. I'm hoping books. that it's in all the best bookstores, mate. I'd hate to think that people couldn't get it. But, of course, it's always online and um, available that way. And then we can follow you on Twitter as well, right, Peter, and different social media aspects as well to see what's going yes, on with you. Yes, yes. My, uh, my son, God bless him, um, is a, an expert at that. So I get to put all the drivel up and he does all the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it, Peter. You're smart because you can get it. You can I get you, you can Thank screw you. your Thanks for taking. Take, take care, man. See ya. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com, and I'm excited to welcome the program Justin Kirk of Fox TV's APB. Justin, thanks hey, for Neil. calling, and thanks for taking the time today. I'm so glad to be with you. Absolutely, Justin. I wanted to tell you how much I loved you in your role on Modern Family. You were so funny. Oh, sure. thanks. I like to think that uh, this sh- I probably got uh, this job offer from Modern Family because uh, people think that I could uh, play a billionaire. Yes, because you, you definitely... I seem like a rich uh, guy, I guess, now, like uh, because of Modern Family. Yeah, exactly, being the rich guy. And you play that part very well, Justin, for sure. Thanks. That's a lot of fun. They, uh, they, they bring me back uh, every once in a while, and uh, always a pleasure to go do that show. Absolutely. Let's talk about now this opportunity again, Fox TV's APV. Uh, tell us how how you ended up uh, getting this part. 
the audition process, things like that. So yeah, well, really... you know, in, the, the, in television, they they have a, they make a bunch of pilots around this time of year, and they sent me this one, and they said, will you get on the phone with these guys? And we talked about uh, the possibilities and what it could be, and, uh, and I said, all right, let's give it a go. Absolutely. So let's look. Let's hear the premise of the show, APB, and then your character, for sure. Yeah. So I play a uh, a guy who's kind of a, a tech uh, genius, engineering genius, and he's made billions of dollars uh, on making rockets and things. And he's sort of an Elon Musk sort of figure. And uh, his uh, friend dies in a botched robbery. Uh, attempt and uh, through various circumstances, he decides he's going to funnel his uh, his genius and his many dollars into his local uh, failing police precinct and high tech it up. And uh, so our show is uh, about what would happen if something like that were attempted. Justin, that's got to be amazing to think about. You know, somebody with that talent and money deciding, okay, we're going to really fix up the police department so that the bad guys can get caught now because they have so much more technology and, and uh, money. money uh, does stuff in this world. That's for sure. Absolutely. It does stuff and, and, and that thing. And is your character evolving throughout uh, the season for sure? Like in a way that after losing that, that person he really cared for and then deciding to go fund this police department, do you see him become a little different than he used to be? In certain ways, well, I think what see we the- see is uh, is the ways that something like that could go well, and then uh, sometimes the ways that uh, maybe that's not the greatest idea in the world, and what what might be the the, the pitfalls in such a situation. Um, so that's kind of the, the the journey that we take as the season goes forward, and then we chase bad guys with drones, you know. So, <laughs> so there's the there's the uh, fun action part of it. Justin, have you been involved in like action like this type of action before? Not really, and I got to tell you that uh, the thing I'm most looking forward to about this show is that even though I'm I'm uh, you know uh, ostensibly number 1 on the call sheet, uh there's so much of it I didn't see when we were doing it. So because it's usually uh the other guys are out uh kicking bad guy ass and I'm back you know wearing a suit and giving a speech. So uh, I'm excited to see to see all that stuff on the TV. Well, it definitely seems like it would be something uh, cool to, cool to see because when you're doing action scenes, kind of explain to us at times that you don't see all that what happens once all the editing and everything is put together, right? Yeah, and me more than others. Uh, in other words, like uh, Natalie Martinez, who plays uh, my, who's my leading lady and plays a, a cop. She's usually out there punching people and stuff and. And uh, so uh, that's true, yeah. But we have, we have. Uh, I did have a stunt guy occasionally. Uh, I am past uh, any pride in terms of doing my stunts at this point in my life. I'm like, let the, let let them do their job. Well, exactly, Justin, because you want to be able to think when you're 60, 70, or 80. If you do those stunts, you, they they really take some chances. Those stunt people, for sure. That's what I keep telling them. For God's sake. <laughs> uh, for sure. Now, talk about your, the cast you're working with and how you've enjoyed that process of working with them for the show. And the you know, show. it's uh, one of the rare times uh, that there, you know, everyone was uh, was 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 uh, top of the line, uh, uh, and and it has it's good to be that way because we're all far from home, living in Chicago, uh, making this thing. So. Uh, you know, everybody ups and, and moves to a new place, and uh, so it's good to get along. Well, it's good that storyline about Chicago, because you know the violence that's going on in Chicago. Maybe some billionaire will decide to help help uh, fight crime in Chicago from this story. Perhaps. Right? I mean, right away, that's just doing a police show in 2017 in Chicago is is fertile ground right there. Uh, I know. I mean, there. I think there are a couple. Uh, there's a lot of TV. Uh, shooting in Chicago right now and, and taking place in Chicago, but uh, it's uh, it's a wild city. I hadn't spent uh, more than a few days before there before we did the pilot, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So different types of shooting than being in L.A., right, Justin? Shooting in Chicago. 
Uh, well, I don't get to sleep in my uh, house, so there's that. But yeah, and it's also, uh, you know, the our our, our finale. Uh, uh, <laughs> our writers in Burbank decided it would be a brilliant idea to to, that, to set most of it outside when we'd be shooting in Chicago in January. So yeah, it's different. <laughs> Absolutely excited to check out again APB and APB premieres on Monday on Fox at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Where's the best place we can find information on you, Justin, so we can learn more about where you're at and what's going on? With you I don't exist on social media, so uh, I, I, I've I've uh, I've made an effort in my life to to have places you can't find out about me, and that's how I've that's how I've ha- had some sort of longevity, I think. Yeah, Justin, sounds like exactly what your character in Modern Family is. Someone else has to handle it. <laughs> I try, one, one tries to keep a little mystery, uh, especially if you've been around for a while. Exactly. Well, thanks for calling, Justin. Best of luck with the show. And I hope that you do make a pop-up experience again on Modern Family because, again, you were so hilarious. Me too. Sure. Me too. Thanks, man. Great to talk to you. All right. Take care, Justin. See you later. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com and all those exciting places. And I'm excited to welcome the program Ona Chaplin of Taboo, FX, FX's Taboo. Ona, how are you? How are things? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be talking to Pittsburgh. My brother lived there for many years, and, and I... I owe Pittsburgh a visit. <laughs> oh, really? Cool. Well, are, do you, uh, so um, what was your brother doing when he was in Pittsburgh? Uh, he was studying psychology at Duquesne University. Oh, that's where I got my master's degree at Duquesne. Isn't this a, this is a coincidence, isn't it? No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, now, talking about family. Being related to Charlie Chaplin, I mean, is that is that a is that a good conversation starter at times, Ona? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, uh, you know, having inherited the mustache, it is it is uh, it is always a hot topic. <laughs> no, but I, you know, it's um it's it's a wonderful thing. It's a privilege because he's he's loved worldwide, and that is you know that's something that. You know, I think I think everybody when 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 you love your family and you know other people speak fondly of of, of the members in it, then then you get like you know you get a little glow inside you because it's fun, it's beautiful, you know, it's, it's wonderful to get that appreciation. It's, and then that guy, I mean, he conquered the world. <laughs> Talk about conquering the world. You know, I've been I've been to like remote villages in Bolivia where the only poster in the whole village was a poster of a kid. In my grandfather's movie, and and you know, I was in a refugee camp in in the Western Sahara, where you know the first films that they ever showed there were Jurassic Park and my grandfather's film. <laughs> so did did you? It's a wonderful, was it, a wonderful um, program? Was that a reason why you became an actress? <laughs> is is your grandfather? Would you say one of the reasons? No, I, I no, I really I resisted I resisted it I resisted it a lot. Um, because I just thought it was it was too easy to um yeah, too easy to follow in the footsteps. Turns out it's not. It's pretty hard work. <laughs> but it's um yeah, no, I, I guess I I just like telling stories, you know. I like telling stories. I like i I'll tell I'll tell any story at any point, you know, and I, I think there's um there's a there's a lot that we can learn about exploring the, the depths and the you know, weird, messed up corners of the human psyche. Well, I can tell you like to tell stories, and I can't believe I w- didn't think I would get on the line with Ona, and she bring up, by the way, Pittsburgh, and like in, in Pittsburgh. So did you become sort of a Steeler fan always visiting? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so cool. All right. Let's, ju- let's, jump, let's jump into Taboo now. Uh, FX is Taboo. Tell us about uh, yeah. the premise of the show and your character. So the premise of the show is, it's actually, you know, a, a, a just plunging deep into how messed up and delicious and filthy we can be as human beings. And um, 
and I guess my character is, a, you know, within within that context is like has all of this desire and all of this, you know, um, trauma really, and all of this self and all of this hidden, and uh, and it's just dying to get out. <laughs> For sure, and, and I guess that's um, that's a that's a that that sums it up. Yeah, and the, and, and the way it's much more complex than that. And the, pretty, abs- but it's delicious and it's messed up and it's sexy, basically. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you talked about um, again, that, I guess the storyline of somebody coming from Africa to Britain, and now you'll tell me is that normally what Britain's like, Ona, in certain ways? What uh, the, the again? This takes place. Yeah, go ahead. Normally, what Britain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I guess it's um, you know, I, but to be honest with you, it, it's all about it's all about Tom Hardy, really. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, this... I mean, he's he's just he's just sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, I'm just saying that he he's you know he carries the show and he it's his baby really. And he is, you know, such a magnificent and magnetic and um, and curious man. He's really curious about the human condition and and what we behave like and why. And and he's very non-judgmental. So he 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 gives them, um, yeah, he gives he gives an incredible performance in this and 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 allows everybody else to shine as well. It's great. Tell me the preparation when you look at 1814 in Britain and how you prepared for that, how to play that kind, the kind of character you were playing in 1814 in certain ways. Did you come up with some, any of the thought process and how women interacted at that time and stuff? The wonderful thing is that 1814, I mean, it's Regency. So everything that we have inherited from that period is all, you know, Jane Austen and and it's, it's very proper and, very white and very pale and, and and very vanilla and very romantic and, and it's I mean it's 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 horse manure and it's not true because at the time you know it was really dark it was very dangerous times and and there was a lot of uh, the people were people were doing all sorts of you know misbehaving in all sorts of ways so it was really reading I, I was I was reading a lot of those books a lot of like the classic. Um, like romantic uh, longing and prim and proper books, and then going right. What is the opposite of this? That's what I need to do. <laughs> and that's that. Yeah, that's how. It works. You know, it's funny because you know, if you if you look at, um, for example, Emma. Right. You know that that film that was that was made that by that and see everyone dressed in like gold and pastels and stuff like that. Everybody in Tabby dressed in black or dark colors. Because obviously the tongues are very filthy, so it was impossible to dress in white. It was impossible to dress in pale yellow because you dress would only last for two days. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was, it's taking the opposite. It was a work of opposites. It's really interesting, actually. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating period. The East India Company are like one of the most. I mean, no, the most horrendous. I mean, it's like Monsanto now, but like you know, one of those yeah. really evil corporations that is like literally killing people. Totally doesn't care, and you know is is um is 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 getting away with it, and everyone everyone is afraid. So it's a really fascinating time. Exactly, it definitely it, it definitely seemed like a fascinating time for sure. And you're not you're used to these kind of characters and uh, looking at different time periods and how you play them, Ona, for sure in your career, especially with Game of Thrones and other things that you've done in your career. So it's just another it's another uh, a stage. So people could check out Taboo um, on FX. And where's the best place we can find information on you as well? Ona? Yeah, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at UnaTC. I, I hear that uh, from from a friend of mine that I just got verified, so check me out. <laughs> All right. And, uh, yeah, Instagram as well as NFC, but I, I can't really tell because I don't have internet anymore. Uh, you can follow me anyway. You, uh, you know, All right. To the past. <laughs> good, good talking to you. Take care. Thanks again. Thank you so much. See you. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. See you. Bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com and all those exciting places, and I'm excited to welcome the program. We all know her from NBC's The Biggest Loser, Jen Wiederstrom. Jen, thanks for calling. How are you? Hi. 
What's happening? Happy Tuesday. H- Happy Tuesday <laughs> to you as well. You know, I was looking back at your background, and I think the coolest thing's the American Gladiators. Can you? Because again, you were di- just a riot. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, it, I remember when they approached me to do the show. I just a, a very small amount of fitness modeling, and the casting director just gave me in some magazine. And I remember I did. I mean, I did the Gladiator for Halloween multiple times. I was I dressed as that, and so of course. Zap and Nitro were my favorites growing up. Right. And and I was like, listen, I've already got the reaction. I'm ready to roll. You know, I sent them like this photo. And then, sure enough, it got me, got me part of the job. And so there it was. I mean, it was just a blast. You know, just get grown-up games essentially. And you know, it's interesting. To look at your body type, Jen. Again, you're 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 uh, you're you're definitely ripped and great shape and all these different things. But you could see the gladiator thing was a perfect fit for you at one point. You know what I mean? In that way. I know. My my parents are very proud. I'm, I'm Swedish, German, and Polish. You know, so. I was I was built for uh, big legs and, and strong hands, so I, I, I have them with pride. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your your new book. I know you're excited. Diet right for your personality type, and I agree completely with just the title alone, because we all have different needs. We all have different wants. We all want to do different things uh, when we want to get in shape and and lose weight and. And it's one size fits all program doesn't always work. Well, it, it, it's proven that it doesn't work. And the one size fits all could never work because you're the only one of you that will ever be made. And I'm the only one of me that will ever be made. So how can we possibly create a nutrition program when I'm not including the person on the programming? Right. That's what kind of got me. When I got a chance to write this book, I thought, okay, this is my stake in the ground. What is my what is the style? What is what I do? And I thought, how can I possibly write this book? Because I have to, I have to, it's for the individual. I can't write one book for everybody. And I thought, well, maybe I can. And this is my shot at saying, okay, we are all so uniquely yes. different. And what I feel I feel better than anybody is, is tailor these programs to the person. And what I looked at after a decade of working with people is that these are the five core personality types that I've discovered. The organized doer, the rebel, the slinger, the everyday hero, and the never ever. And what I've done is by looking at them, I've actually, by the way, found that some people actually have a dominant personality and a recessive. So I'm actually a dominant everyday hero and a recessive organized doer. And what's great is I want people to finally see themselves, like stop looking outside themselves and answer. Say, well, what what did you eat for breakfast? What are you doing for your workout? Stop. What do you want? What is your default? What, what, what puzzles do we need to navigate in the kitchen? And start seeing yourself finally as the greatest asset in your life. You know, you want to, you are not going to change. Who you are is you are, and that's a great thing. So why don't we just level up our awareness around that fact and, and find some success? Because, listen, I know losing weight can be done. It's been proven over and over again. That's like a billion-dollar industry. But... I want to finally have people lose the weight and help them keep it off. That is the only reason I wrote this book. See, and that's great. And see, this is why you are a great teacher, Jen, because uh, I'm, I'm a former teacher. I, I own a tutoring and consulting company. It was one of my entrepreneurial ventures. And I know for a fact that you have to really understand the person before you make changes. Mm. And and and, and we, mm-hmm. we always saw that in The Biggest Loser with the success of the great trainers that have been on the show, and that's why you were a perfect fit for that. And then when you're success, personal training people, you have to know what's going on with their lives, what ma- what makes them tick, what makes them feel good before you see change. And that's one of the missing components in educating anyone, in my opinion. It's honestly, I feel like you need to come on tour with me. It could not be more correct. I'm just a teacher. Some days I'm a student learning, of course, but I'm just teaching. And how, you know, and look at a student in the classroom, you two kids sitting side by side. Listen, you can have twins side by side. Would you need to teach them differently? Yeah. Yes. Because we're different people on the inside, you know? And, 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 and I think that a lot of times what we've gotten into this place is uh, people feel like they're unreachable or, oh, I've done this before and I can't do it. And I, I, I really want people to, to drop the shame and say, oh, I'm not organized enough. Or, I don't have the willpower. And I keep feeling it. It's like, stop, stop, stop. Those aren't issues. We just need to look at what your, what your personality profile is 
and lean into that. That's okay. Yes. If I'm a super organized person and my best friend's unorganized, she will not do well with my diet. <laughs> she's not going to. But I can construct her one where I always joke like she's a rebel personality. I'm like, she's kind of like bump crawling. You can throw that ball anywhere in here, but I'm the bumpers and I'm going to keep you in, in the lane. But she gets to, you know, do whatever she wants to do that way. That's success for her. Whereas if someone with an organized crew would say, no, 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 tell me exactly what to do, how to do it, I need you to lift it out. So that's what I do. And, and and that's what you see. And then you are that coach and everyone needs a coach, Jen, don't they? A coach and teacher to help them lose weight, either through your book or another person after that, because the bottom line is a great person motivating you will make sure that one of the hardest things in education and as teachers to motivate kids, uh, business entrepreneurs to motivate other entrepreneurs to be successful and others to lose weight and get in shape. You need to have that person. Jen. You know what? Yeah. I agree. And that's, I, I feel like that's what, you know, where my life is, has been going is continuing to go. I always kind of joke, if The Rock and Oprah had a baby, I feel like that would be me. <laughs> that's my attempt. You know, they, the, the fact that a lot of people struggle because they don't think they matter. Or they, yeah. I'm, I'm here to tell them that they do, and I'm here, and I got their back. And this book is for my readers and for my community. This book is to be there for them to find each other in this journey. I'm doing tons of work on social media, creating Facebook groups. I'm doing a diet set. All these ways just to connect us a little bit closer and say, you know, that you've got a community of people led by me that care and now, and, and believe in your success. Because here's the thing. I would not have wasted my time if I didn't think people would really be successful with this. It, I wanted to write yeah. a book that people deserved, and they do. Yes, and they do. And that, see, I, I love that fact that you're saying this now. And you know, through your book, you're not going to just sit. I don't say, oh, they'll read my book. You're going to go out there on social media. You're going to go out there and answer people's questions. You're going to go out and tour and want to yeah. model what you need to do. Because as teachers, we need to constantly be involved to help them. And if we don't do that, they're not going to have Listen, success. Yeah. You can read a book a thousand times, well, but not get it. Yeah, I- yeah good. So. Yeah, well, and I learned it on Loser, and I, I see it with my clients. In the beginning, we, we're often believing for the both of us, right? We're believing for the student as well. And over time, they start to see the power of when you have the courage to believe in yourself. And that's when you start to see change, and that's when you start to see ownership. And that's what this book is going to do. It's going to help you take those steps towards yourself, especially in the chaos of the world right now and what our country is exactly. doing. Exactly. People are celebrating. People are sad. I want people to feel that they can lean and turn into themselves and turn into themselves and anchor to saying, you know what, I can make choices that make me the best me today, and that's how I'm going to start. And that's what this book's going to help you do. Absolutely. And uh, I tell you, you're a motivator. Jen, I tell you, you got me motivated right now on the fact that saying, okay, I, I see like-minded individuals for sure. Uh, where's the best place we can find information on you? Purchase your book. We can purchase it in all finer bookstores, but also find info on you. Where can right. we go? Where can awesome. we go? Yeah. I mean, like, I know that Barnes & Noble, they're, we're, we're, they're online at Amazon.com. I know a lot of people do Amazon. But if you go to my website, teenjennifer.com, you'll see the list of areas you can get it. You'll see the list of cities I'm going out on my book tour at teenjennifer.com. And then, of course, on social media across the board, the board I'm just Jen Wiederstrom. If you don't know how to spell my just look it up on Google. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sharing information every day this week, just making sure uh, people have access to what they need and the support that they deserve. Well, you have it the right way to have success, and people are going to see, wow. Generally has the idea, and, and and that's it. You could feed people information all day long, but if you don't explain it to them and help them through it and guide them through it, no success. So good talking to you, and uh, we'll talk soon, all right? It's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Take care, Jen. See ya. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTitter and NeilHaley.com. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Bigfoot Hunter, Don, Don, Don McDonald. Uh, how are you, man? Uh, from Destinations America, killing Bigfoot. Don, thanks for calling. Man, not a problem. How are you doing today? Fantastic. So let's get jump right into specifically enough how to kill Bigfoot. Now, when did you, were you first, did you first meet um, a Bigfoot. How old were you? Uh, 12 years old, I had my first encounter. 
uh, me and a friend of mine, uh, we went to Boy Scouts together, and I would go out there on the weekends and spend the weekend with him, and we would do stuff to get our merit badges and things. Well, we were leaving his house and got away from the house a little bit, and we had this big German Shepherd with us, and the dog took out in front of us like it had hurt something. You know, a little bit later, like a minute or two, the dog come running back between us with his tail tucked between his legs. So, you know, hey, we got to go find out what this is. We get to the top of the hill, and we find this 150-pound or so hog laying there, still quivering it. We just freshly killed. His back legs were snapped. We get to looking, and several feet off the ground, we see this limb that had blood dripping off of it. Well, we thought it was a limb. Upon further inspection, we realized it was a rib bone, something that picked that hog up. Wow. A 150-pound hog is a big hog. It slammed into the tree so hard that a rib broke out of the hog and stuck into the side of the tree. And we saw some leaves that had been scuffled off to the side, and we followed them a little ways, and we find this 14 to 15-inch human-looking track right there in the dirt, right there in the creek bottom. And that's what really got me started back in the day. Once you do that, then it's time to investigate, right, Don? It was. We did a little investigating then. Then I kind of forgot about it for several years. And then the Internet came out, and I said, well, let me just see what I can find out. You know, because I'd always seen the Patterson film, wasn't sure about it. Uh, the more I got to checking, the the more and more I realized these things are everywhere and not just the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we're a good friend of mine, and M.K. Davis has done so much work on that Patterson Gimlin film. When you start looking at some of the stuff he's done, wow. you can actually see the muscles move. So it's not a suit. It's an actual living, breathing creature. I, I can't imagine that. And see, and so many people, you know, are the naysayers. And now, and they're big feet all over the United States. And uh, what, are the, what do you say to the naysayers? Do what now? The naysayers that don't believe there's Bigfoot here in the United States. Uh, what would I tell them? Yeah. Yeah, um, these things are real. We have uh, reports from our the Gulf Coast Bigfoot Research Organization is who I'm with. And on our website, gcbro.com, we have a database on there. And every state in the continental United States has reports. Holy cow. Now, mm-hmm. we deal with what's in the South because we all live in the South. And this southern Bigfoot is a lot more aggressive and what we find stay in the Pacific Northwest. These things are killing people's horses and cows, their family pets, just terrorizing some of these families that we try to help out. And that's what we do. We try to help people out. But 99% of what we do is when people call in and have a report, we go check them out. Once we uh, talk with them and see that these people are having some problems or they're just seeing them, but most of it's just, they come up to the house, I see them across the road. We would never take a shot at one of those. But the ones that are coming up, and I mean, I know kids that are traumatized because yeah, these definitely. kids stuck their head in the wind and beat on the house and screamed at these kids laying in their bed. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> I, that's that's, a, that's, I don't think I've had to move because of these creatures. Yeah, 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 yeah for, for sure. And tell us how you were approached by Destination America to do the show, Killing Bigfoot. Uh, they just uh, approached us several years ago, and we, we were in talks them a while. And in 2014, our pilot came on, and they've shown it over 90 times so far. So it's still getting hit, so they wouldn't be showing it. And uh, after that, uh, they gave us the green light on filming a, sh- a six-show series, which will start this Saturday night. So what should we expect from the six-show series? How you guys track them? What, what should we expect? It's going to show us talking to the witnesses, you know, like a lot of the other shows do, but we get a little more in-depth. We don't just go walk out in the woods. We go to where they tell us they've seen them. We go investigate around their homes, which all these are around people's homes. My gosh. We go check those spots out real carefully, looking for uh, real good evidence of where these things are coming into their homes. And then we set up, if we determine that these are the problem animals, then we set up our hunt. And how many have you killed, Don, in your career, Big Vic? Big feet. I haven't killed one yet. <laughs> Not killed one yet. That's a hope. That's a goal, right? Hopefully you, you'll you come back on my show for sure if it happens, right? When it does. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> but it's only the problem animals, the ones that are terrorizing people that we're after. We don't want to just kill one. We could have been at this a long time ago if we were just out to kill one. We're not these just kill for the heck of it kind of people. We're trying to help people out and to understand what they've got going on. Yeah, so this is interesting, Don, and, and this is the, the, the point uh, that's that's out there is that some people say they're all vicious, 
you're saying there's a variety of big feet size-wise, but also uh, temperament then, correct? Well, just like uh, uh, any kind of animal. You know, humans have people that are just plain mean. You've got dogs that are just plain mean. And some of them, and we believe it's due to inbreeding. When we are out researching and we start finding three- and four-toed tracks instead of five-toed, uh, we believe that's loss of digits is due to inbreeding, and those are the ones that just ain't quite right in the head. Oh, my. <laughs> and that's where we're having the problems. Exactly. So you're going after the ones that terrorize, and uh, here here you go, and uh, and you're ready. You guys have ever, all your ammunition ready just in case you finally do uh, meet that uh, Bigfoot. Best place we can find information on you, Don, where can we go? I guess the Killing Bigfoot web uh, Facebook page. Okay. There's a lot of information on there. All right. Thanks again for calling. All right, buddy. You take care. All right. Take care, man. Bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.